Is this my friend Adam Hill? <laughs> it is. What's going on? We got a clear phone line right now. It's, a, it's an adventure down here at the beach, man. I'm telling you. Well, listen, I didn't know you were such a big beach guy because I was going to brag to you, Adam, that in New York, it was like 65, 70 degrees. Everyone's wearing shorts. And then the next day, it's threats of snow and 40 degrees. So it's like schizo weather here and you're living the life out there in San Diego. Uh, yeah, you know what? It's, it's weird. In Vegas, like I love it. And people come to Vegas for, for a vacation and you know try to come, I guess, you know, seek their fortune, whatever they try to do in Vegas. But living there, it's kind of a little different. And, uh, you know, I love the, I love Vegas more than anything. I don't think I'll ever leave there, but San Diego is like such a really easy escape for me. And whenever I have like a two or three day little break, uh, this is where I go. And with fight week coming up, you know, it's just, I, I had to get out of here and uh, get down here and, and chill a little bit before, uh, before the madness of Conor McGregor begins. I think you're my favorite Las Vegas resident, but Bill's mafia love another resident of, uh, of Las <laughs> Vegas, OJ Simpson everywhere on Twitter. Have you been hanging out with him again? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I saw that, and uh, I had a little heads up that uh, OJ was going to be at that same bar. You know, the, the bar that he goes to, it's a, it's a place called Naked City Pizza. It's a, uh, it's a Buffalo establishment, and uh, that's one of the spots he likes to hang, and he goes there certainly. Uh, last time the Bills were in the playoffs, he went there. This time, he went there again. I had a little heads up from, uh, from management that he was going to be there, so uh, I wasn't able to make it. I was actually on assignment doing some other things, but I sent a reporter down there, and there was so much media, and OJ loves the attention, but there was so much media that he started kicking media out. Uh, he has that kind of pull. Like that's that's what he that's what he is in Vegas now. Like he can he can order you know establishments to get the media out of there for him. So OJ is like living on another level. Uh, I see him I see him all the time. He's hanging out. But the thing that really the thing that really gets me is like the amount of young like attractive girls that are hanging around him. Like, do they not know history or they just don't care? I think they don't care. Hey, let me ask you this, Adam. I'm not I'm not a memorabilia guy, but I collect weird memorabilia. Like, I had an astronaut on, so he sent me, like, a NASA patch that was signed. Or if I have this one on. So I like weird things. I don't know if you're a memorabilia guy. Would you ever get an OJ, like, autographed jersey or anything? Or would you ever ask for one? You know what? It would be easy to get one. Like, I have people in his circle that I could easily make that happen. But it's not like I, I want to say that I'm that I'm not a memorabilia guy. Mm-hmm. Like I like I like to see cool things. Yeah. Uh, and, and I collect some things like I've been to so many different events over the years and I'll like grab something and be like, oh, this is cool. And then I, I just I lose it. Like I just I don't keep it. I don't display it. So like I have I've had all these things through the years, but I really don't have anything. I don't keep anything around. Before we talk UFC 246, we got to talk football. Final four. Yeah. You live in the epicenter of gambling. Titans, KC, Green Bay 49ers, who do you like? I mean, I got to tell you, I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but I, I think it's going to be the Joe Montana Bowl, man. I think it's going to be Chiefs and 49ers, and you're going to have to hear about, you know, how Joe Montana played for both teams and ended his career in Kansas City, and it's going to be that. I, I just I think those home teams are in a really good position. I didn't believe in San Francisco all year, to be honest with you, and I, I still don't fully because I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, Super Bowl caliber you know, just a, a slam dunk, easy uh, pick as a, as a Super Bowl winner. But that running game, I mean, if you watch the, the all 22 film, which I do because I, I look at the 49ers offense as like run game porn almost. It's in, it's insane. <laughs> like the designs that they have uh, with their running game is just on, it's on another level. It's, it's stuff that you just don't see. And so they, they're able to do so much in that running game 
to set up favorable situations for Garoppolo. I mean, out of the play action, uh, he's been, he's been really good. And just out of schemes, like if you watch last game, he had the one really good drive to start. And then all throughout the rest of the game, it was just passes behind the line of scrimmage that were turned into something. And, you know, just, I think they get most of their passing game out of the design of their running game. So I don't love Garoppolo, but with that defense and that running game, I, I think they're going to be really tough to beat. And we saw what they did to the Packers last time. I think the Packers play them closer, uh, but I think the 49ers get through and win. And on the other side, I mean, you saw after the Chiefs go down 24 nothing, you just saw what kind of a juggernaut they are. Uh, they were able to overcome a ton of mistakes early in that game. Uh, it won't be as easy against Tennessee, who's going to control the ball, control the clock, and, you know, put that game plan in that they know. But I, I still think that uh, that the Chiefs are going to be able to get by fairly easily. And I think, it sets up Chiefs 49ers, which it's offense first defense, uh, which, you know, is always a fun matchup to try to, to try to break down. But I'm going to go with the Chiefs offense because their defense has actually been playing OK. Uh, I, th- I thought you saw them play pretty well, even after uh, after going down yesterday. And then the last few weeks have been really good. So uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go uh, Chiefs over 49ers in the Super Bowl. Well, I'm going to follow that because I was two and four going into yesterday's games. I take the Chiefs big time. They're down 24 nothing. I call my, you know, make my call. I cash out. I'm like, cash me out. You know, you can do on FanDuel, DraftKings, whatever your preferred betting is. I cash out. I take a little little loss. I'm like, all right, fine. So the only game I won the whole week was the Packers at night. And Russell Wilson had me sweating on that one. So I cashed out. I could have had a nice two for two day. I got destroyed. Every game so far, I've gotten murdered. Yeah, I've I've been really bad in the playoffs, and uh, you got, you got pretty lucky on that no two point conversion there huh? because uh, Seahawks could have covered if they would have got that too, and uh, I think a lot of people were very happy. But I, I will I think you'll like to know that you're on the sharp side of that. Uh, that was a very sharps versus squares game. We talk about that in Vegas a lot. Uh, the sharps, the professional betters, love the Packers. Uh, the the squares, the public were all over the Seahawks, which is very rare for an underdog. Usually, you see the public all over favorites. Public was all over the Seahawks yesterday, so. You're on the sharp side there. Well, sharp side 170. You know what it is, Adam? It's that recency bias. They watched the Seahawks play last week. Like, oh, this team's great. I I think they forget how good Aaron Rodgers and stuff is. Yeah, I I think you're right. But he hasn't hasn't been the same player uh, under this system. You know, with LaFleur, he hasn't been the same guy. He's been more... I mean, dare I say game manager Aaron Rodgers is, uh, is what we've seen this year. But I think what you did see is late in that game when they needed a play... He went out and made it, and then it was you know third and eight to Devontae Adams. They had the third and nine to Jimmy Graham, which may or may not have been a first down. But uh, <laughs> you know when, when I think the Packers would have gone for it anyway. I'm pretty sure that they would have made that decision. So uh, it still would have been another chance for them to to keep the game going. But I do think he was short on that. Um, but you know Aaron Rodgers made those two huge plays. That third to Devontae Adams on the third and eight with like two and a half minutes left. That is vintage Aaron Rodgers. That's an unbelievable throw. You, we talked about it last time. I hate to make you repeat a story, but whenever people think Vegas, it's gambling, go there and bet the games, bet college basketball, bet the NFL. You still gamble a lot? You still bet out there? Well, yeah, I love I love doing it. It's kind of my favorite thing. Actually, Sundays used to be my favorite day ever uh, of the week. I guess there's only seven, but you know, Sunday <laughs> NFL Sundays, NFL Sundays were my favorite day because you just camp in the sports book. You get there early, you know, seven eight a.m. You set up your spot. You're making bets. You're making prop bets. You're doing all these things, uh, but I, I, I'm not allowed to anymore because I'm covering the Raiders in the NFL. So, uh, you know, my company policy at the uh, newspaper I work at is you can't you can't bet on what you cover. So, no uh, no NFL betting for me anymore. 
uh, used to be used to be really really a good time. But I still make the picks and uh, you know, give out my advice uh, to people. But I just can't uh, actually go to the window. My thing is college hoops. I'm a, uh, I'm a I love college basketball. It's always been my favorite thing, and uh, that's what that's what I usually uh, bet the most on. And usually it's very small school college. I love like you know, uh, Big West basketball and you know some of the smaller leagues. Mac the Mac is really good this year. A lot of good betting opportunities on some home teams. So uh, I, I love the uh, under the radar college basketball games. That's that's where I go with most of my money. So you stick away from the Jawan Howard Michigan and you stay with who? <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I uh, I'm a Michigan guy. I'm from Ann Arbor. That's my, that's my, that's my roots. And, uh, I've always been a, uh, you know, go blue forever, but John Beeline was my guy. Uh, it's, it's kind of uh, unfortunate to see what's happening in the NBA right now. Uh, but as a college coach, he's, he's as good as it gets. So I've always been a Michigan guy this year. It's a little bit more difficult, but you know, Yale basketball is my, uh, that's my real team. That's my favorite team in any sport. It's my obsession, my passion. I actually uh, got to travel to a couple of games this year, uh, which was very cool. And uh, that's that's where my uh, that's where my my heart is really with any sport, and I know that's kind of an odd one. Yeah, but why the Bulldogs? Played, yeah, my uh, my brother played there uh, about let's see, about 16, 17 years ago now. It's it's been a while, but uh, he was he played at Yale, and the uh, the staff that was there then is there now. And uh, you know, he unfortunately tragically passed away his senior year. Oh my god! Um, how did he, Adam? How did he pass away? Uh, he was in a car accident actually. Oh my down, god. Uh, yeah, down in it was in New Jersey. He's on the way home. He uh, lived in Delaware. Was uh, you know, was was on the way home. But it was uh, you know, it was very tough, obviously for for us. But the the Yale family was very cool to us. They always have been, and uh, you know, I I I will uh always always be there, uh, in spirit whenever they're playing. And uh, like I said, the uh, the coach is there from from when he was there. So it's the same coach. Actually, uh, was a finalist this year to take the St. John's job. Uh, so you know, people people up there in New York maybe familiar Mike Anderson got it instead but mm-hmm. James Jones from Yale was uh, was a finalist and their uh, their lead assistant at Yale was my brother's best friend and roommate so um you know still a lot of ties to that program so that's 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 my favorite thing that's actually a good story now Adam here's why here's why I owe you some money you ready last time McGregor fought Khabib I have you on I'm like listen why is the money line weird when from talking to my friends who are huge huge UFC guys they're like Khabib is going to destroy this du- dude so I have you on you tell me if his name wasn't Conor McGregor, the odds would be double or triple. Bet the house on Khabib. I do. I go on vacation. So let's talk about that now. Why are the odds so weird every time McGregor fights? Well, like I think one of the things that you know people don't quite get about betting, and betting is spreading around, and people are learning it a little bit more. But you know, it's not the odds aren't necessarily a prediction of what's going to happen. It's a prediction of where the money is going to go. And the, the books have to try to balance themselves out by taking, you know, equal action on both sides. And no matter what number you put up there on Conor McGregor at the sports book, and believe me, I have, I have, you know, very close friends that are, that are, you know, tasked with doing this, that their livelihood depends on making sure that, you know, money goes on both sides of these things. It will tell you no matter what line you put up on Conor McGregor, people are going to bet on it. Like there's going to be Conor McGregor, like, you know, sycophants and obsessed fans that are just going to run to the window mm-hmm. and bet on Conor McGregor, no matter what the number is. So the numbers can really never accurately depict uh, where the line is going to be. So even when Conor wins, like the, the right side, the smart side is to bet against him almost every time. Cause the line is always uh, out of whack and it's always skewed uh, toward the direction of Conor McGregor. So you saw it. I mean, with the Floyd Mayweather fight, that's the best example ever. <laughs> he he, he could have been minus a million, uh, <laughs> But and he opened up. If you if people look back at the betting, 
uh, Floyd Mayweather opened up 20, you know, minus 2,500. So basically you have to bet, you know, $250 to win 10 on Floyd Mayweather. And so much money came in on Conor McGregor that by the end, like people were laying minus $4 on Floyd Mayweather. It's the best bet that's ever happened. And the same thing happened with Khabib. Khabib, it was such a good matchup for Khabib, such a terrible matchup for Conor. Uh, I was told by a sports book, uh, you know, somebody that runs a sports book in Vegas that the the proper line should have been about minus $5 on Khabib, but they, they could not make it there because they would have taken way too much money on Connor. And then their bosses start to freak out. Like, why are we so, wow. you know, why do we have so much money on Connor McGregor here? So they have to make those numbers where they are. So here again, uh, I don't know what, uh, what you're seeing in, in, you know, in, in your neck of the woods in the books, but he's about minus 320 in Vegas. There's no reason he should be that high. He should probably be about, you know, minus $2, maybe if that. Um, and yet you're, you're seeing this, this, uh, this action all on one side. So they've got to make the number higher and higher to try to draw interest on Cerrone. Now I'm not saying Cerrone going to win, uh, but but that's where the smart money is again because the line is just not where it should be. The line is way out of whack in favor of Conor McGregor. All right, I have my boy Ed on too. He's a big UFC guy. It's on tonight. See what I did there, Adam? Even though we taped this during the week, I say tonight because I'm dropping it Saturday. Before we, <laughs> before we talk about the main event, I want to hear yours and then Ed's. What are the must-fight watches on this card? Well, I mean, I think the, the, the real one that, that people are going to be tuned in and focused on uh, is the last fight on the ESPN card. And it's the last fight on the ESPN card for a reason. Like this is, they are all in promotionally on a female fighter for the first time, maybe since Ronda Rousey. Uh, Macy Barber is, is you know, her nickname is the future. Uh, she is, she is who they're putting so much hype and so much uh, marketing, you know, re, uh, resources behind. They want her to be a superstar and she has the potential to be, I mean, she's, She's that next generation of mixed martial artists who, you know, started training MMA because for so long in the sport, you've had fighters that were, you know, wrestlers or fighter that fighters that were jujitsu or fighters that were boxers that then were trying to learn all the other things. And now you're starting to see the generation that was training MMA from the time they were like four years old, uh, which is a, a whole new era uh, in the sport. And she's kind of of that era. Uh, I think they're rushing her along a little bit. <laughs> I think, you know, they're, uh, they're, 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 they're kind of making her out as like the next champion. She's only 21 years old right now, uh, but she's got, you know, she's, she's got kind of the look, she's got the attitude. She's so good at press conferences. Um, all of those things are adding up to kind of building up uh, be, uh, beyond her potential. Uh, she's, she's arrived way quicker than I thought anybody else thought she would. And now they're putting her in against Roxanne Modafferi, who is one of the nicer fighters you're ever going to meet. She's, she's just a sweetheart. Um, and she's very improved the last couple of years since she's been at syndicate MMA in Vegas. Uh, but she's just not on that level. So I, I think this, this is one of those fights where it's basically, even though technically Roxanne is ranked seventh and Macy is ranked ninth, uh, Macy Barber is a minus 1000 favorite in this fight. And, uh, that's just because her skill set is just the just next level. And I think people are going to be excited to see her and I'm sure she is going to try to take advantage of this platform and, and really try to make a statement, not only in the fight, but also before the fight, I'm sure she's going to uh, talk herself up and, and really do well. The problem with that is in a, in a quick story here, uh, M Macy Barber met Roxanne Matafari, who's going to be her opponent at the UFC performance Institute. And one of the conversations that they had was about cutting weight and how they both like to cut weight in bathtubs. Uh, you know, some fighters like the sauna, some mm -hmm. like to, you know, run on the treadmill with the, with the heavy suit, whatever they want to do. They both like to use the bathtub. 
Roxanne apparently found out the other day that the Palms Hotel in Vegas, where they're staying, the wing that the fighters are staying in doesn't have bathtubs. They only have showers. So Roxanne DM'd Macy on Instagram and said, hey, just want to let you know uh, if you're planning on cutting in a bathtub, there might be an issue. They don't have tubs in our rooms. So you might want to think about alternative arrangements. This is the person what? she's fighting who's trying to kill her. Oh and she's like, hey, I just got a little information for you. You might want to uh, might want to be ready for not having a bathtub. And Macy Barber put that out there and said, hey, nice of you, but I'm still going to murder you. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so <laughs> so she's, she's on a different level. And now, Ed, who's the fight you – which fight you're dying to see on that card? I mean, I agree with uh, Adam. Macy Barber, she's just, like, destroying people. And um, she's actually – she called out Paige Van Zandt not too long ago and was, like, you know, talking a lot of crap about her or whatever, trying to get her to fight her, like, trying to, like, you know, like, trash talk her like Conor McGregor. And, you know, Paige Van Zandt sort of told her, you know, I'm not fighting you. You know, you got to be more respectful. But – Macy Barber doesn't really care, like really what she says. She's sort of like a <laughs> Conor McGregor trash talker you could compare it to, and I think that's what's exciting. Like she can fight and she can back up her talk, um, you know. And obviously, I'm excited about the McGregor fight because you don't really know which way it's going to go. I mean, you have, uh, you know, they're both veterans, but Donald Cerrone, you know, has got like 36 wins, um, you know, and a lot of them are sub- by submission, which you know we all know Conor isn't the greatest when he gets to the ground, especially when it comes to like, you know, past the second round. So I'm just curious to see if, you know, how he's going to come out. Cause if you look at him, you know, he's bulky. He, he gained a lot of muscle to fight at 170. Um, so you, you just wonder, is that going to, is that going to stop him from having, you know, his, his, you know, they're saying like, you know, your muscle fibers, you know, get tighter and stuff like that. So is he going to be as quick once he gets to like the second or third round? Well, and I- is Cerrone going to, is Cerrone going to take him down? You know, is Cerrone going to take a black belt in uh, jiu-jitsu? So you got to figure if Connor's winning on his feet, you know, is Cerrone going to just be like, you know what, I'm just going to take this guy down and own him. So it's it's going to be exciting. Well, let's jump hey, to the main event. Adam, let, I want to hear your thoughts on it now too. Yeah, but real, real quick on the uh, on the Macy Barber thing again with the Paige Van Zandt. She tried to call her out so often, and Paige was just not having it. <laughs> Paige knows she's get, she'd get hurt by her. So Macy actually slid in, in Paige's husband's DMs to try to, ir- to try to irritate <laughs> irritate her enough to fight her, which is incredible. Like, that's why that's why I love this girl. Like, she's she just does so many different things where you're like, okay, this girl gets it. Like, she she's going to be – uh, she's gonna be a real superstar, so that that's fun stuff. But uh, on the on the McGregor side, I completely agree. Cerrone has a path to victory in this fight. I mean, he could get it to the ground. He's very very capable on the ground and submitting him. Uh, that that could be a path that he takes and wins this fight, and you know, and takes his career to the next level even still, and, and gets even more money out of it. He could do all of those things. I think the reason that they booked this fight is because Cerrone won't do that, and it's it's unfortunate to me that it's this like you know, unwritten thing of, Hey, you know, you know, don't take this fight to the ground, like stand up and try to trade with him and test your manhood or whatever. Uh, that's ridiculous. You should be taking the best path to victory, but I don't think Cerrone does it. I think Cerrone goes out and tries to stand up with him because that's what people want to see. And I think that could be his downfall in this fight. But if he wanted to, if he wants to go out there and take him down and submit him, he easily could. I think. Yeah. I, I think Adam, Adam's right. I mean, you know, Cerrone is a man, you know, he, when he says something, he does it. And if he says he's going to stand up with Connor and not take him down, um, it's pretty safe to say that he's going to go there and just go out in a blaze of glory. Um, he's more for the fans at this point in his career. I think he knows that he's probably not going to, you know, get a title shot. Um, he's way down in his career. He's, he's, you know, he's lost 
his last couple fights. And but on the other end of it, Connor, I mean, if he loses this fight, what happens to his career after that? I mean, it's it's not going to look good for him. You know, he sort of needs to start winning fights to get another shot at Khabib, which is the ultimate goal. goal. But now you have, um, you know, a lot of guys, everybody wants to fight Connor now because they know it's a money fight. Um, so it's, I'm pretty sure Connor's not going to be stupid and just take a fight just to take it. He's going to, you know, it's going to be strategic to get back to Khabib. Why does it seem that Cowboy Cerrone fights every week? Whenever I put on UFC, it seems like he's <laughs> fighting. Is it me or does he fight more than anyone else? No, he does. He's a lunatic. That's what he is. And not only does he fight all the time, but he also, like, he does crazy things. And I mean, not necessarily crazy, but, like, you know, it'll be fight week, and he'll be out at the lake here in uh, in Vegas, and he'll be, like, jet skiing or, like, n- complete nonsense, like, cliff diving <laughs> or something. Like, what is what is this guy doing? But he told me, like, I, I asked him about it, uh, you know, a couple fights ago, and he told me, because the other thing that he does, and I wrote a story on this, like, I think two years ago, he when he comes to Vegas, he doesn't stay at the fighter hotel. They have very nice suites like incredible rooms to stay at. Uh, he brings his, his RV from Albuquerque uh, and he goes and parks it at a, at a RV park. That's just outside of Vegas. It's actually next to uh, this place called the Silverton hotel. And he lives amongst like a bunch of old people for the, for fight week and just dr- like drinks beer with his friends. Like it's, it's so weird. I know the, the restaurant that he goes to the night before the fight after weigh-ins, he goes and has a couple of beers, sits there with the fans, hangs out, like this is just—he's just a different kind of guy. He's like—he's just old school. Like show up at the bar and fight somebody, like uh, like MMA was in the early days. Like that's just who he is. So it, he's insane. He's fought a ton of times, as you said. You look at his at his record. He just fights so much more than anybody else, and he's always willing to take a fight. So uh, I think the UFC has kind of taken advantage of that and said, "Hey, you want to fight? We'll throw you in there." Adam, jump on Ed's thing. If this—if McGregor loses, is it do or die for him, or there'll be another fight down the road for him? But if he loses this fight, is his career just? avalanching down dude it's a devastating loss if he loses it for sure but i just don't know i I, connor is so different than everybody else like for for most fighters i would say yeah this is trouble like he hasn't won since that eddie alvarez fight at madison square garden think about how long ago that was like that's his last win in any fight but for connor mcgregor does that matter like if he lost you know five in a row could he could, could people you know, wouldn't people still look at him in the same way? I mean, it certainly takes him out of, like, they're not going to have him fight this one and then fight Khabib uh, if he loses. But, you know, he'll still have big-time fights, and then at some point he'll win, and then he'll he'll be right back in the title picture. Like, that's just how it works with Connor. He, you don't apply the same rules and the same logic to everybody else, and I think that's ridiculous. Uh, I've always been more of the, you know, hey, whoever the top contender is, that's who gets fights, but... You know, people will watch Connor do anything. And so I just feel like he's he's kind of got different rules. But yeah, as a legitimate fighter, as people that only, you know, care about, you know, results and only care about, you know, relevance and all those sorts of things, we'll be like, Oh yeah, Connor has not won in forever. He's not the same fighter anymore. But I think the you know, the average fan, and that's the average fans are the ones that have really taken Connor to this level. It's mm-hmm. the non MMA fans that cross over and watch his fights. I think he's still Connor at that point. If I had three hundred dollars, I hand you three hundred dollars and Ed three hundred dollars. Give me a bet on this fight, then. I'd bet on it. And 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 listen, I if it's if the line was even, if it was even both ways, I would take McGregor. I think I think McGregor has a slight edge in this fight. Okay. But like you said, there's there's a lot of variables. Uh, Cowboy certainly is a he's he's seen everything. He's a veteran. I don't think he's going to melt under the spotlight like we saw uh, Eddie Alvarez do in New York. If when people if people were around for that fight. 
that fight was lost at the press conference. Eddie Alvarez was so shook at the press conference that he had no chance once the fight started. I don't think that's going to happen to Cerrone. Uh, so I think, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, ready for the moment. He's going to get in there and, and, you know, throw down But I, I think he has that. We talked about that path to victory earlier. If it's on the ground, he could take it. I just don't think that's going to be a strategy. Uh, but the reason I would bet Cerrone is because we talked about earlier with the line. Like, I, I think the line should be much, 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 much lower. And if you're going to tell me that McGregor is minus 320 in this fight, I'm going to tell you that's ridiculous. And so I, I think I have to go with the value on Cerrone, even though uh, I, I do think I do think Connor edges him out. I just don't think that the the number dictates that you can bet on McGregor. Like you give me that three hundred dollars, I could I could win less than a hundred mm-hmm. on a bet on a bet on McGregor. I don't think that that's I don't think that he wins the fight. You know, three out of every four times like that. And Ed, if I'm, I'm gonna be with you for the fight, Ed, if I give you three hundred dollars, who are you betting? Yeah, if I had three hundred dollars, I would bet Cerrone just on the fact that he has nothing to lose in this fight. Um, you know, he's a crafty veteran. Like the guy, the guy's just been there. He's, he's fought everybody. Um, I don't think he's scared of Connor. Like, I don't, you know, and they're not really going at each other with verbal jazz or anything like that. Connor's not trying to get in his head. So, I mean, it's going to be basically just a straight up fight with no mind warfare. Um, and you know, Connor's, I don't think, you know, Cerrone's as big of an underdog as people are making him out to be. I mean, I think this fight's pretty even and it can go either way. Um, so I think the safe bet would be, you know, taking Cerrone. Um, the big question is if, you know, Connor wins this fight, is he going to take the George Masvidal fight? I mean, that's the big question, like, because that's, I mean, you saw what he did to Nate Diaz, you know, and Connor had trouble with him. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. What do you think, uh, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I would love to see that fight. Uh, most things I think I, I I would really love to see the press conference more than anything uh, <laughs> on that fight because because you know Connor likes to, as we talked about, melt people at the press conference and just kind of get under their skin and into their head. That ain't happening in Masvidal. <laughs> that's, that's that's a different that's a different animal right there. So uh, I would love to see that happen. Uh, I think it would be a really bad move for Connor's career. Um, but I I mean, listen, what are the options if he gets through this? One of the things he talked about was. Uh, filling in for either uh, Nurmagomedov or Ferguson because they're scheduled to fight in uh, in Brooklyn, actually. Uh, so he Connor said he'd be ready to step in if one of those guys gets hurt because they, they've been booked four times and all four times somebody has gotten hurt and had to pull out. So it's kind of a, like the most jinxed fight in the UFC. So Connor said, hey, somebody's going to get hurt. I'm stepping in for them. Uh, I think he loses either one of those fights, too. So um, th- there's a, it's a weird spot for Connor to be in because I, I think he's an underdog you know, on paper to anybody that's, that he would fight next. Uh, but with, you know, which fight do people want to see which one makes him the most money and which one does he have the best chance to win? I'm not sure. Uh, he's not beating Nurmagomedov. I, I guess he, he could beat Masvidal. It was just a straight standup match. I just think Masvidal would, would, would kill him. And Ferguson has too much. Uh, and I don't think Ferguson would stand up with him either. I think he'd take him down. So man, that's a, that's a, a tough, that's a tough road ahead for Connor, no matter who he chooses to fight. Uh, but I, I think that is an interesting uh, dynamic of what happens if he wins. Who does he take on? Uh, I think I think he'd lose any of those fights. But uh, you mentioned him not really going at it with uh, with Cerrone. I am very interested to see what happens on Wednesday. So Wednesday night in Vegas, they have scheduled the press conference for prime time. It's 5 p.m. in Vegas, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. Uh, it's going to be, I believe, streaming live on ESPN+. And so... I think there might be enough pressure, even though we haven't seen a whole lot from Connor and Cerrone as far as, you know, mind games and going back and forth. I think Connor, you put him on, on prime time. I think something happens. I mean, I, I think, I think he, he's just like, he can't control okay, himself. I'll, 
Yeah, so, something. I mean, he's not going to just let an opportunity go by of his first fight back in over a year in prime time if it's streaming on ESPN to to just have a quiet, like, you know, just answer the questions type of press conference. So I, I think he's either going to go at Cerny hard or try to do something crazy and just kind of announce that he's back. So that is something to absolutely tune into on Wednesday night. Dana- Cerny did say, Cerny did say, don't go after my, don't talk about my family. You can say whatever yeah. you want, but don't go after my family. So who knows how that's going to play out. <laughs> which, which means Connor's probably going straight for his family. <laughs> Adam, Adam, I always say Dana White is a marketing genius. Is a story out there, because it was all over here, the papers in New York, that Hawaiian Best Buy security guard that he's bringing out there, are people like talking about that? Not really. That's interesting. Did, did you know the story or no? Uh, I, I, I read some about it. I'm, I've kind of been out of the loop a little bit, but um, I mean, I don't know what I don't know what's going to be going on. There could be there could be anything around this fight. I'm I'm ready for anything, especially because this fight is such a one fight. It's such a one fight event coming up, and Connor kind of knows like there's something, and Dana knows there's something. Like they need to do something really, and I just I can I'm expecting anything and everything this week. Let's talk about excitement. Any excitement with the Raiders coming to Vegas? Is there a lot oh, of buzz there? Gotcha. Well, you know, it is interesting. Uh, so that is my job you know, now for, for the full-time job really is really covering the Raiders um, and, you know, UFC when it's in town. So it's it's weird for me. I traveled to Oakland three times a week this year mm-hmm. uh, for practices. So I was, I was flying back and forth all the time. Um, so I'm just, I'm immersed in the Raiders. So I feel like there's buzz because I'm so in the bubble. Uh, but like on the streets and, you know, if you're talking to your friends and sitting in a bar, like, do people care that the Raiders are coming? Not really. I, I think they will when they're there. I think when it's, you know, when it's game weekend, people will be, you know, it, it's it, NFL is such a, it's such an event. And when you don't have it and then it comes, I think, I think it kind of swallows up everything around it. And it just becomes like, what is, what is going on that day uh, in a city? So I think, I don't know if people are ready for that part of it. Uh, but I just don't, I don't think there's that huge buzz, especially because, you know, if it was the first sport coming, then yes, mm-hmm. it would be absolutely everywhere. But Vegas got hockey with the Golden Knights, and it's a really weird phenomenon that they were they were an expansion team more than moving there. And I think people just kind of really, even though they didn't care about hockey, they grasped onto that team so fast and so much. I mean, every day practice is sold out. It's sold out. I mean, it's free, but it's you can't get in. Like it's insane how much that that city has embraced hockey, and they're not even hockey fans. And and I, I actually one of the players, uh, Max Pacioretty, was talking to me about that. It's one of my you know one of the things that really hit me. He said I came here, kind of like, what is what is this city's relationship with hockey? It's kind of weird. And he said I found that there's not hockey fans, there's just Golden Knights fans, which is it, it is really it's really fascinating, but that is the case. Like people never cared about hockey. They don't know the rules of hockey. They just love those guys and love that team. And they embraced it so much that I think they're looking at the Raiders as like, yeah, these guys, this Knights team is our team. That's our expansion team. They were born with us. Like the Raiders are just somebody else's team. That's going to come play here in the stadium that we paid for. Like, I I think it's a, a hugely different dynamic, but when it's actually there, the NFL just kind of, it swallows up all the attention and all the, uh, all the energy. So I, I, I'm interested to see what it happens when they're actually there. But right now, you're really not feeling it necessarily. I'm going to keep you off two more minutes. Why does it see that the Raiders are destined to take Tua? It just seems that open up the new stadium with Tua. So two-part question. One, who's the quarterback next year? Is Carr starting? And who do you want in the draft? 
well, I, I think I think they need weapons more than they need a quarterback right now. I don't think Carr is the long-term answer. I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. I, I think he's very, very average. I don't think he's as bad as some people think, but he's certainly not as good as uh, maybe the numbers will tell you. Um, I think they do need a quarterback at some point, but I think they need weapons more. Like They absolutely need a big play receiver. Jerry Judy at Alabama mm-hmm. is the guy, if they can get him, uh, that's the guy that I kind of have circled and say, if, if you can make that happen, that's a pick. He might obviously be picked before they go at 12. They go 12 and 19. He could be gone, but there's a ton of really high-end top, top line receivers in this draft. So I think you have to go receiver uh, with your first pick. I think you need some help uh, defensively. I think a linebacker in, particularly, in particular uh, at 19. So I think you're a receiver and linebacker. Uh, could you... If Tua fell, could they think about it? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, they could package that 12 and 19 to try to move up as well. Uh, there's a lot of options that they have, but I just I don't think quarterback is the most important thing right now. Uh, I think that they should probably try to sign somebody and maybe develop them and maybe even draft somebody late, see if they could you know, kind of strike gold with somebody. But uh, they can make do with Carr, even though I don't love him. Uh, they, they, just, they just need so much, so, much in, so much of an injection of talent at those other positions that I think you have to try to make those moves at the top of the draft and then uh, and then try to figure out a quarterback maybe next year or late in the draft or through free agency, figure something out. Uh, but Carr, Carr is serviceable enough uh, right now. But yeah, Tua would, Tua would make a lot of sense. Uh, the, other, the other factor about Las Vegas that I don't know a lot of people know outside of Vegas is there is a massive Hawaiian contingent mm-hmm. in Vegas. Uh, it's called the Ninth Island. And so, oh, I mean, really? there is, yeah. There, I mean, there is a ton of Hawaiians there. So I think that would make sense from that perspective as well as, you know, bring them in kind of like they're talking about Joe Burrow to Cincinnati, back home to, to Ohio, uh, you know, that, that kind of you know natural fit. I think there's a natural fit with Tua in Vegas as well. Uh, but I just, I don't know. I think it's going to be his medicals uh, at the combine are going to be, you know, very, very studied. And uh, I think that's going to be the biggest story of the combine. Where is his health? Is this a Bo Jackson situation? Uh, or is this something that he'll be that'll be cleaned up and he can be ready to go next year? I think that'll be the story of the combine. Will you be coming to Brooklyn to watch your boy Ferguson fight Khabib? Uh, I don't know. I don't think I want to make it. I, I wish I could. I think it's gonna be an awesome fight. Wait, why not? Uh, it's gonna be. I think it's around the draft. If I'm, I gotta look at my uh, my calendar again. If there's something going on. Like like I said, I'm I'm uh, I'm plugged in on Raiders now. And uh, there's so much off-season stuff, and the draft is in Vegas. It's just going to be a nightmare for like an entire month. So I don't know if I'm going to be able to sneak away. Hopefully, I can. I, I put in a, I put in a, a travel request potentially. We'll see how how they uh, deal with it at, at work. Um, but I know that there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of resources dedicated to the draft for like the next three months in Vegas. It's going to be like all we're doing. All right, the five quick questions. Next breakout star of the UFC is you might have answered that already. Yeah, I think I did with Macy Barber. That that's a, that's an easy slam dunk pick. One fight that you're dying to see in 2020. Oof, man. Uh, I mean, it's I'll co- I'll cop out and say it's Khabib Tony because I've wanted to see this fight for so long. Um, we're go- we're going to see it. Obviously, we hope. Uh, but it's just it's been so it's sorry it's been so uh, pushed back and so delayed. Uh, for the last five years, we haven't seen it. That I'm just not confident that we're actually going to see it. I don't know that we're going to get to the finish line, but I hope we do. Let's see if your answer changed. Coolest person in your phone. You and I are drinking at a bar in Vegas. Who's the coolest person in your phone that if you texted them, they would text you right back? I mean, 
does data count? Yes. If, would he text you back? Oh, 100%. Then that's a great end. That's one of the top 10 answers you can give Dana White. All right. Well, and, I mean, it's yeah. kind of—it's not really fair. It's not really fair because, like, I cover him. Okay. So it's, he could think it's like a business thing. I, I guess. I mean, uh, that would count. Let's see. I'll go. Man, Jonathan Abram is pretty cool—the uh, safety rookie safety for the Raiders. That's a really good answer. I, you know what? We'll take yeah. that one because Dana White might think it's business. So that's a good answer. Yeah. And final two: best movie that was set in Las Vegas. Oh man, uh, I think people might be upset. <laughs> Leaving Las Vegas is unbelievable. Okay, um, but I I I'm a sucker for just awful comedy, so I'm I'm gonna go Hangover. Yeah, and Hangover because yeah, I I agree with the Hangover one too. Okay, not yeah. Hangover three though. And um, what's your favorite go to spot in Vegas for food? Oh, Carson Kitchen. Uh, I tell people this all the time. Okay, uh, it's it's downtown. So I'm I'm a downtown Vegas guy. Like the Strip is cool. I love it. But downtown Vegas is absolutely where it's at. It's the coolest neighborhood in Vegas, no question. And this place, Carson Kitchen, is freaking ridiculous. The food is insane. There, there's a guy that actually, uh, he covers UFCs from Australia. He's only in Vegas a couple times a, a year. And he asked me one time where to go, and I told him this place. Not only does he go now every time he's in Vegas, like right when he gets off the plane, but there's like a pipeline of people from Australia coming <laughs> to this place now. It's insane. It's so good. Uh, so I will say that. But uh, I just I just felt bad because I said that because uh, I mentioned it earlier. Naked, Naked City Pizza in Vegas, where uh, OJ watches the playoff games. <laughs> my friend, my friend owns that place, and he's from Buffalo. And if you ever want pizza and wings in Vegas, like there is, it is no better place than that. So those are my two spots. We'll either link up in Brooklyn when you get out here, or when I get out to Vegas, we'll link up. Adam, this was a pleasure, and let everyone know where they can find you, follow you, and hear you. Yeah, uh, Adam Hill, LVRJ. It's Adam Hill, Las Vegas Review Journal, but LVRJ on all the social media spots and uh, ReviewJournal.com is where my writing is. And remember, Adam said bet the house on Cowboy and bet the house, bet everything you own <laughs> on KC and San Francisco to, to play in the Montana Bowl. Adam Hill, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you for doing this. For sure, man. Anytime. Love coming on. Talk to you soon, brother. Yes, you too.